Hello, beautiful people. Today's guest is the amazing Miss Tara Nash. In today's episode, Tara talks about growing up as a Hapa and exploring more of her culture as she's journeying through adulthood. She shares why being Hapa was extremely educational for her. And lastly, we get to talk about our opinions on cultural appropriation. Here's Tara sharing her tale. Hey, Tara, welcome on to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you on today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Diamond. It's so glad. I'm so happy to catch up with you. Tara, real quickly, before we get started, could you do a brief introduction? Give us your name, your ethnicity, maybe a fun fact about yourself. Yeah. So hello, internet. I'm Tara Nash. I am half Chinese. My mom is from Hong Kong and half Irish American. My go-to fun fact is that when I was little, I used to go around the daycare pulling off all the kids' socks because I hate socks and I still stand by it and I wear flip-flops as much as possible. So that's my fun fact. (laughs) I could just imagine little baby Tara running around being like, "Mm, nope, you don't need socks. Uh, Nope, not you either. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely my go-to one because it's like my proudest rebellious moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's your most rebellious moment is taking socks off the other kids as well as yourself. For legal reasons, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really excited for today's conversation because you are the first Hapa that I've had on the podcast, and I'm a Hapa too. Yay! Yeah, Hapas! (laughs) (laughs) So you actually have a really interesting story because I know when we were doing Miss Asian Global together, like it was really a strong point for you or a big part of your life about being Mm -hmm. a Hapa and how important it was to you growing up and making you who you are today. What what can you say about it? Well, so I just want to clarify what Hapa means for maybe some of the viewers who I don't know if they know, but Hapa is a term derived from the Hawaiian culture and language that they use to describe anyone of mixed Asian race because there was a, a lot of influx of Japanese like you in the mm-hmm. Hawaii and so produced a lot of mixed Hawaiian and Japanese babies or Japanese and white babies. But now they just use it in general to refer to anyone of mixed Asian race. So as I am half Chinese, half Irish American. I did one of those 23andMe tests, so I found out like it's really just Irish. I was like, maybe the white size will be more spicier, but it's just Irish. I definitely have always identified as being a Hapa. Growing up, I really lived mostly with my mom most of my life though, so she's the Chinese side, and so I definitely had that Asian upbringing, being yelled at in Cantonese, you know, all of the you better get A's kind of Asian mentality. So it was kind of hard for me growing up in America where people would always like look at me and think, oh, you must be like Middle Eastern or Mexican or some form of Latinx, and I'd have to explain my ethnicity to them. And my favorite part is when people question that, and they're like, nah, you're not half Asian. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know my life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you totally know. I, yeah, had so. the same, I had the same guesses about my ethnicity. Uh, yeah. I was always either Mexican, because the city I grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, grew up in, there was a huge Mexican population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was either yeah. always Mexican, or when I finally started traveling abroad in my adulthood, I always got Middle Eastern as well. Mm. Yeah, I, there's a huge Latinx population here. So I think that's why I get Mexican a lot. Mm-hmm. But but even to the point where when I was working in retail, some Spanish grandmothers would come up and start speaking Spanish to me. And I was like, how do you not know? I'm not one of your people. How can you not tell? Actually, you know, turn your head to the side a little bit. You kind of have that 
Spaniard female look. I think kind of your wavy hair and like maybe your eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm going to have another identity crisis. <laughs> So, so this is a really interesting point because when I grew up, I used to lie about being more Japanese because everyone thought Mm -hmm. I was Mexican and I really, really, Mm -hmm. really, really wanted people to think that I was exotic and Asian because there were no Asians Mm -hmm. where I grew up in. So I was constantly saying Mm -hmm. I was more Japanese. We spoke Japanese at home. We followed Japanese traditions. We ate homemade Mm -hmm. Japanese food every night. Like Mm -hmm. that was my experience growing up as a Hapa. I just wanted, I really, really clung on to that side of me. What, mm-hmm. what about for you? What was it like growing up as a Hapa for you? Yeah, I think, well, there was a lot of Asians where I grew up. So that wasn't, didn't make me necessarily very special. I kind of just mm-hmm. would be another one of the Asians. But I think for me, I actually, since I was with my mom alone for a while, and I didn't really have much connection to the white culture, whatever that is, um, <laughs> that I'd, I just had to find a little disconnect when I was in school where I think growing up in America too so often even full Asians or fully like immigrants have this push or this pressure to become like assimilated into American white culture and like fit in with like sweet 16s or like things like fourth of July barbecues you know what I you know what I mean like the pressure to be like that Hollywood white American uh, image so coming to school with my like stinky lunch of like (laughs) weird Chinese food and having the other kids being like what is that like that looks disgusting and I was like well I like it um it was just a little confusing when growing up and even more confusing in high school when you're having your identity crisis you're like who am I what am I am I cool am I not um Um, it was like very important to be one of the cool kids which actually turned out to mostly be white people at my school interestingly reflecting on that and who had the more expensive cars and those sort of things so in high school I tried really hard to be not necessarily more white but I was a little bit like more reserved about my Chinese side because it was like looked down on by those white cool kids or they were like why does why do you like dress like that or why won't your mom let you go out like that doesn't make sense like blah 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 and I just like oh you know it's just yeah, it's just me. And then <laughs> finally, I went to college where I went to UC Berkeley and culture is super important, identity is super important. They're so big on just exploring your cultures and being proud of it. And I was finally felt like I could really explore being Chinese and being Asian American in general. And so I joined a Chinese pageant, which is how I got into pageants. Um, and that was really awesome. I got to do a lot of community service in the local Chinese community. Um, really test my Cantonese skills which I found out were bare minimum (laughs) and um, just going from there it was really cool to explore both my culture and my like roommates and friends cultures who are like from Middle Eastern or Mexican descent so it was really cool to just finally not have the need to fit into the American standards and just make our own standard. Yeah I want to I want to back up a little bit you said something that that sparked my interest you said that the popular kids might have said something like, why are you wearing that? Well, mm. what do you mean? Like, what, what were you wearing that they were like, mm. Mm, maybe she's Asian. <laughs> maybe she's Asian. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like I went to school in like a kippah or anything. Or yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Chinese dresses. <laughs> but, um, Your prom, prom think- dress? Actually, that would be really cool now. I feel like yeah. it's so much, so much more accepting in like yes. high schools and things like that. I know. 
Yeah, I know. It definitely is. Although there was that like the moment where people were like, why are, why are white people wearing this Chinese yeah. dress? They're like, hmm, what is, is this? Oh, I'm curious about your opinion on that as well, but that's mm. for a little bit later. <laughs> we'll put it's a, a little it. bit later. Yeah. <laughs> what would happen in high school, I guess, or in your teenhood yeah. where you'd kind of have to be like, oh, I mean, like, that's just yeah. me. I'm not Asian. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I guess it wouldn't be so much what I was wearing, but I wouldn't be wearing like brand names or anything. It'd really mm-hmm. be like whatever was cheapest at Ross or anything. I don't know if that's necessarily like specific to Asian, but just more so like not being a rich white kid. Yeah. Okay. 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 I get <laughs> what you're saying. Def- definitely like my lunches and stuff. They were like, what the is that? Like, like, it's just, you know, Chinese food. I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? They're like, that's not Panda Express. And I'm like, oh, that's not Chinese food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just like also kind of like cultural norm things. Like, for example, my mom uh, grew up, well, she just, maybe it's just my, my tiger mom would super be like, no, you can't stay out later than this amount of time, or you can't go out to this and this, mm-hmm. or like parties, like you can't go to that for sure. And like more white identifying richer friends would be like, why can't you go out? Like, how can she say no? And I'm like, it's my mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Her word is the law. Like, <laughs> I think it definitely depends on the parent. Cause I know there's some Asian parents out there that are super like chill way more chill with their Mm -hmm. um what their kids can or can't do but at least with the extracurriculars and the emphasis on grades and the Mm -hmm. my word is the law and (laughs) you better wear a jacket when you go outside I feel like that was a bit more of the like Asian identity cultural kind of sense did you guys have rice with dinner all the time oh every day same chopsticks same So you had this, a little bit of this crisis growing up, and then Mm -hmm. you've sort of discovered yourself more in college. Now, I think you really appreciate being Hapa, and I I get Mm -hmm. that vibe from you. Why is being Hapa so important, I suppose, or such an educational viewpoint in your opinion? Yeah, so I think us being Hapas, we're kind of blessed with the, the... opportunity to be able to see multiple sides of certain things a lot of times people if they're just from one culture or ethnic background they're not they're not as open-minded to seeing other perspectives so for example my mom would have certain perspective on things but then my dad would have certain perspective on things and that would clash a lot actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in the end it made me be able to see like they came from different like environments and upbringings and this is why they think that way and that really helped a lot coming to Berkeley and like being the politics at Berkeley and such like that I began to understand why people thought a certain way I like reflected more like if they have an opinion that's not the same as mine before automatically just being like oh they're dumb like sort of reflecting like how come they have that opinion you know like why is it they're they come to that conclusion and that makes my conversations with people way more productive I think because then I'm able to understand where they're coming from and then hopefully be able to explain to them where I'm coming from so that it's more of a conversation less debates um and being a hapa also just gives a lot of different cultural uh, opportunities so I obviously I really explored the Chinese side a lot recently and in in my upbringing but i would like to one day be able to go to ireland and be able to explore that side as well because it is 50 percent the 23 and me said it is 50 percent. so 
I get to, I would love to be able to explore that as well. I'm scared to do 23andMe because I'm scared it's going to say you're not half Japanese, you're not half Italian. (laughs) You know what I mean? I know. I was actually really scared, even though I was so sure because I have like the Mm. same like health issues my mom has. So I was like, (laughs) I must be her child. (laughs) But then at the same time, all those like little voices that were like, no, you're not Chinese or the, no, you must be like this or this ethnicity. It kind of like got to me and I was like pushing the button and I was like, oh my God, what, what if I'm not Chinese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what am I going to do? But it really turned out like literally the like pie chart, usually it's like a bunch of different colors. Mm-hmm. It was really just like red, blue, Chinese, Irish. And I was nice. Like, nice. Nice. I'm half. <laughs> nice. You're a true half. You're a true I'm half true. baby. Yeah. I, was, I, I was actually, surprised. I'm, I'm like 95% sure that mine will say um, Italian, Polish, Czech, mm. Slovak, mm. And maybe yeah, a bit yeah, of yeah. Russian. I'm, I'm like yeah. really convinced that that's going to be all of that. Plus my last name's Ripka. Yeah. Like that's not an mm. Italian name. That's definitely yeah, yeah. like a, a Russian or, or it's actually yeah. Czechoslovakian before they split apart. Mm. But, um, yeah. <laughs> See, I thought my, I thought my Irish side would be more like that. I mean, I did get like maybe 8% Scandinavian or something, mm-hmm. but I, I was really hoping like some German, French, mm-hmm. you know, cause my dad was like, yeah, you know, like, German French like because we have like a Roman nose or something yeah 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 and stuff like that and then it really was just like British Irish and a little Scandinavian (laughs) and I was like okay cool (laughs) so is your dad from Ireland so my dad is from New York and he grew up in the New York area which has a lot of Irish uh, population yeah 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 and so the the most recent uh, relative I have from Ireland is my great grandma and his grandma. Mm-hmm. So she came here like during the potato famine, you know, escaping the famine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she came here and like married into already Irish Americans that were here. So that Irish heritage goes back farther. But because because of that, we thought there was more of like other A mix. mixes. Yeah, like more mm-hmm. because they were already in America, but <clears throat> I guess not. I guess they were the also Irish, Irish. Stayed with the Irish. <laughs> they really just stuck together. <laughs> I think I think that that's fairly normal though. When you're migrating yeah. over here, you stick with people mm, of your kind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. safe. Your yeah, your definitely. mom is is an immigrant though, right? She migrated yeah. from from Hong Kong. Yeah, she came here from Hong Kong when she was my age. That's always crazy for me to think about. Like, I'm just afraid to just move to a different state. And she moved mm. across the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. So she came here um, during the Chinese takeover when Britain gave back Hong Kong to China. So there was like a lot of a lot of changing of government and stuff there. So it was just best for our family to move and leave Hong Kong. So they came here all, she has eight brothers and sisters. So all of them, all nine of them. That's nice. That's nice that they all came together. Yeah. 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 It it, it definitely helped being able to have such a big family, even in a foreign place, I think definitely helped a lot because they have each other and they still have each other, but also the Asafaria is super Chinese and there's a huge Cantonese population too. So that's, I think a big reason why we haven't left the Bay area, even though it's so freaking expensive here and we should leave. Um, (laughs) So it it definitely helps to have already that uh, Chinese presence here, but yeah, she immigrated here. When she came over and there's such a huge Chinese presence there, was she able to speak 
English quickly or did she have trouble mm. with it or? Yeah. So interestingly, I think Hong Kong is a little different than like other Asian countries since it was ruled by Britain for a while. They taught English right away in like mm. elementary school. It's not like her English was amazing, of course, and it still like needs work because English wasn't one of the classes she was super interested in. It was definitely <laughs> one of the ones she was like falling asleep in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think I would too. It's super hard. But so she already knew like basic English and then she came here and also went to school here. So then it really like picked up the face on, uh, pace on like learning English mm-hmm. and um, assimilating to the culture, I guess. But still, she still gets remarks by people like, oh, I can't understand you. And I, I literally look at them and I'm like, are you serious? Like, I think this is more fluent than like what our current president is speaking like. So I remember you saying that when you were younger, you used to translate for professionals with your mom. Is, right? Yeah. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like I necessarily like was doing like the Cantonese, Cantonese to the English English because my Cantonese isn't even that great but it's just because I grew up with my mom and I know what she's trying to say um if it's like in more broken English so to say Mm -hmm. um I would definitely do that when like when she was sick and in the hospital I would definitely like explain like what she was trying to get across like to the doctor Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't necessarily in Cantonese to me it was like just like broken English that I've learned to understand over the years I get it especially when you grow up with that person their Mm -hmm. their little quirks or the way they say things whatever you're just like oh I know exactly what you're saying (laughs) yeah 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 exactly she'll be like bread this a bit Oh, yeah, yeah. So she wants a baguette with a piece of... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Not really, but yeah, (laughs) it's an exaggeration. Do you think that being a hapa, being a hapa, do you say hapa or hapa? I say hapa, but I think, I think you say both ways. Honestly, you should consult a Hawaiian on that. I am not entirely sure. (laughs) I say hapa, and I think that's because I heard the word hafu. Hafu growing up, ah, which is the Japanese mm-hmm. word for half. Yeah. And I actually thought that Hapa was the Japanese word for half. And it wasn't until actually I met you and you said it was the Hawaiian word that I actually Googled it because I was like, yeah. I could have sworn Hapa was a Japanese word. And then I looked up the Japanese word for half and it was Hafu. No, yeah. Hafu is the, I think it's Japanese specific too. So yeah, it is. It I is. can't use that one, but. You yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now I changed my Instagram bio to Hafu. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love that. Yeah. Now, do you wish that you mm. grew up speaking Cantonese? Mm, I always wish that. I always, always, always wish that. Because especially when I went on to do the Miss Singtao pageant and there was the um, events where I was supposed to speak Cantonese and I would get so flustered when they would just start like being really quick interviewing me in Cantonese and I'd have to be like what what, what, what was that what did you say <laughs> I was like can you slow didn't it down? they give you a translator well yeah a lot of times they just ended up saying it to me in English or have me doing it in English but it just made me feel even more kind of ashamed because I already didn't look full Chinese and here I can't even like speak my native language and I was mm-hmm. just like ugh, like You've just said something very interesting that Mm. I relate to. And you said it makes you feel ashamed that you're not Mm -hmm. a part of that culture. Could you explain further what you mean by this? Yeah. So being a hapa is definitely great, but there is a big, big component of it where I felt ashamed or just like unwelcomed very often. For example, on both sides, they don't really, at least for me, I had experiences where they don't really accept you. For example, 
after my my Chinese pageant. So many of my references are to this pageant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after after I won, I I had heard some people talking about how they say like she's not even Chinese, like she's not even full Chinese. Like why should she win? Like whatever. Like she's sure she's like pretty, but she's not even Chinese. And I was like, just because I'm half doesn't make me any less Chinese. And a lot of comments like that. And then on the American side, they were like, there's something different about you. You're not really white American. Not that I ever feel the need to be full white, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But definitely still a, a, a dissonance from both sides, where they're like, you're not, you're not entirely anything. Like you're only half of that. So growing up, a lot of times my parents would say like, Tara, you're not 50% Chinese. You're not 50% white. You're 100% Chinese and you're 100% white. Just to make me feel more like I'm not less, not not any less than others. Like Mm -hmm. I am both cultures and I embody both of them. So I, I mean, that took a long time to really come to terms with and like be able to be proud and confident and saying it on like a podcast for example but it it definitely like there's still moments of the shame like I wish I could speak full uh, or more fluently in Cantonese like for example my late grandmother I wish I had been able to talk with her more because she only spoke Cantonese and I only spoke like a few words that I knew and does that mean your mom could translate for you so like bread this but in Cantonese, yeah. she'd be like, oh, yeah. oh, she's trying to say this. Yeah, yeah exactly. In <laughs> You're so right. She did the same for me. And my, my grandma would be like, what? <laughs> and my mom's like, oh, no, no, no. This is what she meant. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing. But yeah, so that was definitely like lots of moments of shame. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of my goals for this next however long we're in quarantine, is to learn more Cantonese and learn more Korean because I started learning Korean in college. Duolingo. I I will just plug Duolingo all the time. I think they are such a great free resource. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They should sponsor this podcast. Duolingo. Duolingo. Hey. Hey. (laughs) You put a really, or you you posed a really interesting idea because... Mm. I really admire you for just leaping into Mm. your Chinese culture, especially with the Mm. Chinese pageant and like you're very vocal about it and you're very Mm -hmm. open about being half. And Mm. I feel quite ashamed almost Mm. like there's this shame when I try to learn Japanese culture because I'm like, Mm. you know, like I don't really feel Japanese. Like I know Mm -hmm. I'm half. I know my family's half. You look at our family reunions. It's just a ton of Japanese people together. Like it's (laughs) definitely there. But like it feels almost like a fraud looking it up Mm. online or talking to people or trying to experience Mm. traditions now in my adulthood. It feels like I'm a fraud. Like I didn't grow up doing those things. Therefore, Mm. I shouldn't take part in them if that makes yeah. sense no yeah you're totally right I, I so see that and I definitely feel that way too sometimes and I think even not necessarily just hapas but even Asian Americans in general they mm-hmm. they feel that way when they visit their home country that they had never visited before mm-hmm. because they were born in America they feel almost a little fraudulent and and the culture there sometimes are like oh no you're American you're not really you know like fully of the Asian um, yeah. culture so it's definitely a factor on both sides, both the imposter syndrome there and the and the culture not being as accepting mm. of Americans. <laughs> well, I mean, but just for our listeners, could you uh, could you define imposter yeah. syndrome in this in this context? Mm-hmm. So imposter syndrome it refers to when you are you have a role or position or an identity, for example, and you feel like you don't belong in that role or position. 
a huge example was a lot of Berkeley students when they first start at UC Berkeley, they have there's huge imposter syndrome there because they're in denial that they belong at this supposedly really smart school, this really uh, prestigious curriculum. So a lot of times it just really gets to them mentally and with their their confidence levels. They just feel like they don't belong there. This also applies, I think, for HAPAs where we have this imposter syndrome that we're not actually Asian. We don't belong. We don't look full. We didn't really necessarily grow up with the, the full um, cultural, especially when we grow up in America. Even HAPAs in those Asian countries, though, there are a good handful of them that grow up completely. For example, there's a Korean K-pop star who's half. She grew up in Korea, spoke completely only Korean, but she still gets a lot of remarks like, you're not really Korean and etc. because she, the way she looks. I mean, I can't speak for her, but I feel like it was a big, a good example of kind of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Do you know the gal, she's a K-pop star, who I, we might even be thinking of the same one. Is she the one that sings new, new, na, na, na? Can you na- narrow it down a little? <laughs> That's all I know. I just know. Da, Is it so me? Maybe this is why your mom didn't put you in music. <laughs> <laughs> is it so me? I don't know. I don't know. But she grew up in the States and she moved back to Korea and her career didn't take off for a really long time because people Uh were saying that she wasn't a real Korean pop star. Korean itself had like an English accent, but she just kept going and she just completely blew up and now she just lives, lives the life. I think the only like big K-pop hoppas that I know of is Somi. Oh, I mean, I can't, I can't say I know the whole K-pop industry. Does she sing a song that goes, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I think that's someone else. Okay. But I, there's definitely, there's definitely K-pop idols that came from like Thailand or America. And mm-hmm. I think they do experience that as well, that, mm-hmm. that cultural, like you're not fully Korean, you're not actually Korean. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that happens in many Asian countries in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to go back to the topic of the chi pao at prom mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. individuals were wearing it and there was yeah. a lot of mixed reactions online mm-hmm. some people yeah. saying you can't appropriate fashion that way others saying you know she's just appreciating it showing it yes. if we don't care now, this is my opinion i think being a hapa i am much more open to people doing that as long as they're not being disrespectful to it right. and or if they do it and they're just not aware that it's happening because mm-hmm. I feel like nowadays anything and everything is cultural appropriation you wear yeah. a turquoise ring and it's suddenly cultural appropriation it's like well mm. no I remember growing up in turquoise rings were like the shizzle nizzle <laughs> you know like <laughs> that was the thing <laughs> you know and, yeah yeah exactly I feel as a hapa I'm just so much more open to it because again pulling Mm -hmm. on that I feel like a fraud I feel like I shouldn't be a part of it like when I wear traditional dressings it's it's almost like oh I feel like I'm playing dress up you know what Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. so what's what's your opinion on it yeah I think my opinion is pretty similar to yours I would just say that I think the reason why it's popping up more and more now is like given like the platform for example like Twitter or social media we are now more able for those minority voices to come out and be like no that was actually my culture that you're appropriating here Mm -hmm. you know like give respect where it's due so of course like as long as people are educating themselves and like becoming more aware of the origins of things for example and just being respectful and like 
like acknowledging like yeah that's awesome mm -hmm. it's from such and such culture and like I totally respect that and I'm not going to claim that it's from my culture or this other culture mm -hmm. um I think it's totally fine I think the big reason that the cheap house specifically popped up was because I remember the specific the girl who mm -hmm. wore it to her prom and I think she, she's blonde right is that the yeah the that we're thinking of yeah uh, yeah a blonde white American wore it to her prom I think it was literally like 2016 2017 yeah it's fairly recent fairly recent and the issue was she wasn't really giving respect to where it's due and it was it just didn't feel quite right especially for how so many Asian Americans were they had so much shade for being able mm -hmm. to wear their culture or or show off their culture mm -hmm. and then someone of a different ethnicity does the same and they're praised for it it didn't sit quite right in many in many people's minds I think so that's why she got so much heat for that but I think she went on to apologize and appropriately address the culture so mm -hmm. you know forgiven how do second you, chances how do you give credit where credit's due without it being mm -hmm. awkward I suppose you know like what if you posted that picture of you at prom in a cheap pow and like in your caption at the bottom you say this dress is called a cheap pow it's from Chinese or you know like give a definition yeah. or something like that is yeah. that like what you're supposed to do yeah well I don't I don't know if there's any like rules to it it is still a very sticky subject and honestly mm -hmm. there are people out there who aren't as uh accepting about other culture is doing so as we are mm -hmm. but I think I think that'd be told in my opinion I think that'd be so acceptable if she was mm -hmm. like hey by the way this awesome like article of clothing I'm wearing comes from Chinese culture and it's super awesome it's called a chi pao then it's like yeah. yeah dope you're you're showing off the culture but yeah. I mean I can't speak for all Chinese some people might yeah. still be offended you know but yeah I think personally that'd be cool like for example when people go to visit like Japan they like usually take pictures in like kimonos and stuff oh yeah and they're not pretending like that's their <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but they're appreciating the culture and I think a lot of tourist yeah. attractions in different countries are like mm -hmm. that as well. You yeah. know, like come take a photo in in yeah. like the traditional Mexican gear or yeah. or or in a kimono or in a mm -hmm. chipao pretending to pour mm -hmm. tea or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's definitely a sticky subject, but I I think that would be proper. <laughs> I heard or I read somewhere or I don't know where this information came from that's in my head but I heard <laughs> that this this trend because I really do think that it's becoming a trend where everyone's like oh you can't wear that because it's from here you can't mm -hmm. do this because it's from here but mm -hmm. historically the reason why it's becoming so common I think is because we wanted our cultures to to blend together so that way you can create a uniformity at least in the U.S. like that mm. that's the whole idea of the U.S. is that all these cultures mm -hmm. are coming together for a common goal right. which was to create a better life mm -hmm. and I feel like by by separating in an unproductive way you're going back you're creating more division among people you're creating mm -hmm. more this do you, do you know what I'm saying and and yeah. I agreed with what I had read, I wish I'm not doing it justice. I'm not doing it justice at all. But I agree with what I had read. Like, as long as you're doing it in an appropriate way, and you're not saying things like, oh, I'm wearing this cheap pow because everyone that wears cheap pows is a blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, you're not doing it that way, but you're still being respectful. And I feel like by saying, oh, you can't wear this, you can't wear that because it's from mm -hmm. someone else's culture. It's like, well, now mm. you're starting to create a bigger division between people. If you instead choose yeah. to educate to say, you know, typically that's only worn for 
like ceremonial purposes, you know, it's really typically like that's, that's why you don't see it that commonly, or that's why it's so extravagant because you're really honoring this, this, and this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're you're totally right, and it sounds like whoever wrote that that piece is it's a it's a good perspective to have that this kind of cancel culture is bringing more division. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the opposite side of that would have to be something along the lines of like, well, these minority voices are so often you know quieted or silenced or not able to have the platform or the voice that they do now and be mm-hmm. able to stand up for like for example that that's something usually worn at ceremonial things like yeah that kind of that kind of situation it's less of i don't know if they're trying to make a divide but honestly this country is already very divided and it just wasn't addressed and like big big part of reasons why black lives matter is coming up is because that division has been ignored people think racism's like over and discrimination's like over but Mm -hmm. it's very much institutionalized it's very much there and systematically there i think it it's kind of hard because i do agree with that sentiment of like wanting to bring american cultures together in the beautiful melting pot that it is and Mm -hmm. i love being able to appreciate all these cultures but i do think it's important to be able to give those minorities their platforms and voices that they never really had before Mm -hmm. um, or had opportunities to to do it's sticky yeah it's sticky and I'm such a I'm such a stickler for education as well like I love Mm. learning yeah I I went to school obviously and I continued (laughs) my education I got higher education like I love learning and I feel like there's so many opportunities to be educated in a productive way I feel like Mm. a lot of people right now because of cancel culture are educating in a really unproductive way Mm. and I just I think that cancel culture should be morphed into something that is more productive because it's really unproductive for the most part, like 90% of it is unproductive. I'd say 10% of it. Sometimes certain individuals should get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I think there are some toxic toxic methods and such behind cancel culture Mm -hmm. like the sentiment and the the reasoning definitely was from a good place but it's kind of definitely morphed into a bit of a toxic situation yeah yeah all right well let's go ahead and wrap up our interview before we go could you give let's say a piece of advice or word of wisdom for any individuals who are like yourself maybe a younger you Mm -hmm. what would what advice would you give to a younger you if i was to give a piece of advice to a younger me especially if you're a hapa if you were mixed or maybe even your full full one culture but you don't feel like you belong to that culture is to just educate yourself on your on your identity, your culture, your heritage, learn more about it, appreciate it, and just really like take pride in who you are and don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Don't let them tell you what your ethnicity is, girl. Like <laughs> you know what it is. So yeah. <laughs> you don't even need 23 and me to confirm it, but yeah. Definitely <laughs> take pride in yourself and and definitely be able to show off who you are because it's beautiful regardless of what it is. Oh, that's really touching. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Tara, for coming onto the podcast. If our listeners want to catch more of Tara, they can also find you at... Tara M. Nash on Instagram. It's Tara spelled T-A-R-A-M-Nash-N-A-S-H because people like to spell it with an E, N 
I don't know why, but I, it's okay. I think, I think because the way you pronounce it sounds like terraform, like Terra yeah. as an earth, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the first yeah. time I met you, I called you Tara. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. A lot of people go say Tara, but, but it's Tara. <laughs> it's Tara. <laughs> just, so, just so listeners know. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Tara. We'll go ahead and Yay. wrap up here. We will catch you next time. Toodaloos. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I apologize for missing the last upload date. I've been fighting off a chest infection for the last four weeks. The Asian Tales does post new episodes the 1st and 15th of every month, sometimes the 2nd and the 16th. I'm excited to announce that if you want to support the podcast in a monetary fashion, that option is available now. You can head over to anchor.fm forward slash the Asian Tales podcast forward slash support for the option of a monthly donation ranging from 99 cents to $9.99. As always, I appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time.